Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if we'll turn to Acts, the eighth chapter, and I'll primarily be in Acts, the eighth chapter, most of the time this morning. If you remember last week, if you were here, I tried to preach on it out of Acts, the 16th chapter, and we looked at many of the different things that people will tell you in this life actually save you from your sins and, and get you to heaven. And some of those things that we mentioned were belief and confession and repentance and baptism and endurance, uh, enduring, you know, and righteousness. And we, hopefully I made the point last time that none of those things are actually what save you from uh, the wrath of God in eternity, uh, but it's actually grace that saves you uh, from your sins in eternity. And I thought about that this week as I um, kind of ran that sermon around in my head over and over and over. And I thought that it would probably be appropriate if, uh, you know, if I've got the opportunity to, you know, take the next several times that I preach here and look at some of those things that we, we talked about that don't save you uh, in eternity and look at how they actually do save you. Uh, we, we talk about, you know, it's always it's grace. Our salvation in eternity is based on grace. It's not based on belief, baptism, works, and things like that. But, you know, maybe we don't spend enough time actually showing you what those things do save you from. And so hopefully, um, if the Lord will bless, then the next several times that I'm here preaching that we can look at those things. So the subject, you know, we've talked about is, is, is time salvation. That's what we refer to it as, as primitive Baptist. Time salvation, meaning there are things in, uh, that you can be delivered from in this life. And then there's eternal salvation, meaning the deliverance that you have uh, in the next life or on the other side of your death. And to do that, I wanted to start today, if, if the Lord came down and, and told me, he said, Luke, you get one subject that you can preach on for the rest of the time that you're going to preach. Uh, you, get, you get to pick one subject. It can be grace. It can be, uh, you know, the kingdom of God. It can be whatever. If he gave me one subject, I think I would pick the subject of repentance. And so um, that is the, the, what I want to uh, address today. Uh, when we talked last time, uh, there will be those that say, well, the Bible says you need to repent and be baptized uh, in order to be saved. And there are other places where it says uh, that you need to repent and believe to be saved. So repentance and salvation definitely go hand in hand, right? But we know that repentance is not what wipes your sins away in eternity. So what does repentance, what, what is repentance saving you from? And, you know, there's, there's a misconception that repentance is the same thing as asking for forgiveness, which is not true. If you just look at the very definition of the word repentance, somebody will say, well, you need to repent. And I'll say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means you need to go to God and you need to tell him you're sorry for all the things you've ever done. That's not repentance, Right. Repentance, by definition, is to change your mind or to turn, right? To turn around and go in a different direction. That is the definition of repentance. And so definitely, you can think about when John the Baptist came on the scene, when Jesus came on the scene, that was one of their primary messages, right? It says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And certainly in today's society, repentance is something that we desperately need, right? I think we need repentance more than we need belief and confession and all those things. We need to repent because before you, uh, before you can do some of these other works of righteousness, step one is going to be that you've got to change your mind. Right. And you've got to turn from a mindset. You've got to turn from a habit. You've got to turn from some, whatever else you're doing that's displeasing to the Lord. So repentance is not asking for forgiveness, but it's actually turning and changing. And we know that it's not 
an eternal thing. I've seen uh, some church signs before, and um, there's one in Tuscaloosa that it, I don't know if they ever change it, but it always says turn or burn, right? <laughs> turn or burn. You know, it rhymes, and that's about as far as I can give you on a uh, good job, you know? <laughs> turn or burn, right? And so what they're saying is repent or perish in eternity, right? And we know, hopefully we can look at today, that those, or we looked at last time and some today, that those things uh, don't go together in that way, right? So I want to look at some things in Acts, the eighth chapter. And I want to start reading at verse... Five. <clears throat> I'm going to read several verses here, so just bear with me. Acts 8, 5. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. All right? Again, imagine yourself there. This is, a, this, is a, this is a neat time, right, in history. This is a powerful time in history. The Lord has ascended back into heaven, but yet he's left men here that are doing and carrying on some of these mighty works that he himself was doing. And so this city is seeing a man named Philip cast out demons. They're seeing him heal sick and do all types of those things. And it says there was great joy in that city. And it says, but there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched or tricked the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. So you can already, even though we've got just a little bit of information about Simon, you already kind of get an idea of at this point what type of person he is. The Bible tells us that he's a, a trickster, that he may be some sort of magician, some sort of sleight of hand, some, I don't know exactly. But whatever he was doing was very convincing because people assume that this is some great power that he's received from God, but the Bible tells us it really was no great power. He was just really good at bewitching people, right? And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. There's, to me, there's so many lessons in this particular passage of Scripture. And I want to I, I, I try to stay focused on where we're going. But imagine if you're Simon. You're bewitching people. You're doing all these things. You know you're a trickster. You know you're fake. And all of a sudden, Philip comes along, and he starts doing things that are not fake. He is on a different level, and the crowds maybe that used to uh, you know, fall at your feet are now falling at the feet of these other apostles and following them. And Simon himself is taken by what they're doing. And he believes, okay? And he believes and he's baptized. But one of the lessons there is just because you're a born-again child of God does not mean you lay down the flesh, Amen. right? Amen. And there's something brewing inside of Simon. And you are very familiar with it because I bet you've dealt with it before too. And so as they travel, it says he wandered beholding the miracles and signs which were done, 
All right, so one thing we know about Simon is he likes to be noticed, right? He likes to be the center of attention. He likes for everybody to look and ooh and ah over what he's doing. But that's gone now. And everybody's looking and glorifying the Lord, no longer glorifying Simon the sorcerer. And so that starts a little bit of something going on inside of his flesh. Now, it says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them and they might, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he might receive the Holy Ghost. All right, now that little root that we talked about, now it's starting to come out a little bit more. You see, we think the little feelings and thoughts that we hide in our minds and in our hearts will stay there. They don't. They have a way of showing themselves. And we begin to see Simon is craving that attention. He likes that power. He likes feeling like he's somebody in special, somebody special. And he offers them money to, and says, hey, if you will, look, I want to be able to do what you're doing. I want to be able to lay my hands on somebody and give them the power of the Holy Ghost. And, and, you know, I wonder what the conversation went like. It might have been like, no, 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 you know, just you be, you be Simon. Let Peter be Peter. Let John be John. And maybe he gets to the point and says, look, I'll pay you. I will give you money if you will somehow give me this power to lay my hands on somebody that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now, he's flirting with danger right here, right? Because do you, do you remember Ananias and Sapphira? You remember that maybe, what, three chapters earlier? where they sell a piece of land and they're bringing the money to lay down at the apostles' feet so they can distribute it, but they lie about how much they sold the land for. They kept a little bit in their pocket. And then they take the money with a lying heart to the apostles. You remember what happened to those two? They fell over dead, right? So he's flirting with danger right here. He says, give me money up. Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, now notice this, thy money perish with thee. In this sense, that word perish actually means death. It says, thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Why did he have not neither part nor lot in this matter? Because he had a heart issue. You understand that? That word for there means because of. It says you don't have any part with this because your heart is not right in the sight of God. He's got a major heart issue because that root, which we will find out is a root of bitterness. I read the definition here of gall. We'll read about a minute. And it says a bad root that brings forth bad fruit. And I thought that's pretty, pretty telling right there. This root of bitterness has brought forth a bad fruit for Simon. And Peter sees it here and he says, you don't have any part with this because your heart's not right in the sight of God. And then notice what he says. He says, you need to repent. He says, repent, turn, change your mind. Therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. That was another one that really cut me right there. You see, what he's saying is, it's not what you're doing, it's what you're thinking that is the problem. He says, the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. 
You see, a lot of times, again, we think whatever goes on in here, whatever goes on in here is really not laid to our charge on this side of heaven, but it is. And he says, you don't have the right mindset. You're not thinking correctly and you've got some bitterness in your heart. And he says, for I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then Simon answered Simon, then, then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which ye have spoken come unto me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached to the gospels in many villages of the Samaritans. Now, <clears throat> repentance. What is it if repentance does not save you from heaven? I mean, from hell and put you in heaven. What does it save you from? All right, I want you to think of it like this way, especially you kids. I hope you can visualize this and remember it the rest of your life. There's things I heard as a kid preacher say that for some reason they just stuck with me, right? Sin is like a vehicle. And if you step in that vehicle, it will take you somewhere. Are you with me? I want you to imagine that. You step into the vehicle of sin, it is going to take you somewhere. We think we can flirt with sin. We think we can indulge in it a little bit and it have no consequence for us, right? On this side of heaven, understand. What does the Bible say? No, it says in Numbers, be sure your sins will find you out. In Proverbs, the sixth chapter, it tells us this, that can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? How silly of it me would be to go to my fireplace, take out a flaming hot log, pick it up like a puppy, snuggle it for a second and throw it back in and be like, I can't believe it burned my shirt. Of course it's going to burn your shirt. That's what fire does when you bring it close. In the same way, you can't bring sin close to you and commit yourself to it and it not affect you. It is a vehicle that will take you somewhere. Now, I like the way this says this. He says, for I perceive, talking to Peter, talking to Simon, that thou art in, like a vehicle, you're in the gall of bitterness and you're in the bond of iniquity. And if you don't get out of it, Simon, it's going to take you somewhere. Where's it going to take you? It's going to take you to your death. He says, uh, he says, Peter said unto him, thy money perish with thee. Look, Simon, you are, you are in the vehicle of gall and bitterness, and it will take you straight to your death if you don't turn the car around. Are you with me? And so it appears that Simon turns the car around, right? Now, I want you to think about this. I doubt anybody here has ever sinned in this way. I doubt anybody here has ever gone to Brother Tim and said, I'll pay you to let me have the power to put my hands on somebody and they receive the Holy Ghost, right? He couldn't do it if he wanted to. Neither could I. But I want you to think about the vehicles of sin that we get in. And then with a straight face, expect it not to take us somewhere, right? Do you know why? Our nation is in the condition that it's in because we're getting in vehicles of sin every day and letting them take us places and we act like we're oblivious to it. Well, what do we need to do? You need to turn the car around, right? Look, let me give you this example. Pornography is everywhere, right? Pornography is everywhere. And, and let me say this too. 
Pornography is in PG-13 movies. Right. Do you know that? When you think of pornography, and I'm going to try to be discreet here, don't think of an extreme over here, right? <coughs> pornography is everywhere. It's in, and, and, and we, we use this as our standard of pornography, not realizing that pornography starts way over here. Right. <clears throat> and I want you to think about this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Before you sit down and watch some movies, I want you to think about whatever you're watching on that screen, they had to pay somebody to do. Right? Pay somebody to do something they're not supposed to be doing with someone they're not supposed to be doing it with. Right? Folks, that's pornography. It doesn't have to show the end all of everything for it to be considered pornography. And when we indulge ourselves in stuff like that, click, we're stepping in and slamming that door. And we just stepped into a vehicle. And it will take you somewhere. How many marriages, how many times has that vehicle taken someone to the end of their marriage? How many times has that vehicle taken somebody to a place where their marriage, maybe, <clears throat> maybe they're still married, but maybe it's ruined. Maybe their family has been ruined. All right, what, about, what about drugs? What about alcohol? Look, somebody's at a little party. And, and, and somebody tempts them to try a little something, you know what you've just done? You just step into a vehicle. Every alcoholic, every drug addict started with one time. And they stepped into that vehicle and they never stopped to think, where is this going to take me? No harm, no foul, right? Wrong. It's a vehicle. How do you save yourself from the destructions of pornography? from drugs and alcohol? How do you save yourself from having to deal with the temptation to have an abortion? You don't fornicate, right? When young couples decide that they're going to make that part of their lifestyle before they're married, they're stepping in a vehicle. And next thing you know, that, that vehicle takes them straight down to the abortion clinic. Look, I know that's hard to hear, but that's just the truth, Right? How do you save yourself from those things? You turn the car around. Amen. That's called repentance. Right. You turn, you change your mind, and you say, I'm not doing that. Right? How can repentance save you? My goodness, in jillions of ways. But it takes us saying, I have, you know, pray this prayer. Lord, give me the wisdom to see where this vehicle is going to take me. Give, that's what wisdom is, you understand? Wisdom is the skill of looking at what you do now and how it affects your future. That's, what, that's a great definition for wisdom. Amen. Pray that the Lord will give you wisdom because He tells you He will. He also, tells, he also tells you, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. Find you some wise people. And folks, if you're good, young people, if you're going to a party and everybody's popping the top and everybody's getting drunk and everybody's trying marijuana, there's not a wise person in that place. Get away from it. Surround yourself with wise people. Pray that the Lord will give you wisdom so when you step in there and you've gone 10 feet in that vehicle, you can say to yourself, what am I doing? I see exactly where this sin is fixing to take me. And I'm going to repent. And I'm going to turn it around and go back to where I started from. And you will save yourself from an innumerable number of miseries. Are you with me? Now, let me finish with this. <clears throat> Last thing. 
And I just like the way this sounds. You know that sin was taking, we got into the vehicle of sin when Adam, when Adam sinned. He put all of us in the vehicle, right? And it was headed straight for the wrath of God. But the Lord Jesus Christ hijacked that vehicle and turned it around and put us back in the right place with God. Isn't that glorious? Look, repentance is not going to get you to heaven. But repentance will save you from some terrible things on this earth. But you got to have the wisdom enough to realize, one, you're in the vehicle, and two, where it's going to take you. And if you've got some wise people, you young people, listen, if you've got some wise people telling you, you better get out of that vehicle now, listen to them. Because they've been there. They've been there. If I've got a, if, if, an, if an 80 year old comes up to me and they've got that beautiful white hair and they've been there and done that and they say, Luke, you better get out of that vehicle. You better listen because they've been there. Repentance will save you from a host of trouble. Amen. Repent, therefore, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Right. Please pray for Brother Tim as he comes and thank you for your good attention.